Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw a mixed to lower day in commodities on the day Thursday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks so much for being here with us once again, making us part of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, as we are getting ready to talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America here on the show once again, like we always do. Plenty to discuss uh, here today. We saw in the markets, it wasn't as... uh, much of a risk-off day as we've seen the last couple of sessions, but still uh, some risk-off sentiment in these markets overall. Spring wheat did help pull Chicago and KC wheat to the upside, or at least back to mixed territory with corn finishing right around the um, unchanged mark as well on the day Thursday. Soybeans had a little more pressure there as that market continues to liquidate as we continue to see funds uh, be sellers and getting out of long positions here in some of these commodities. We saw feeder cattle after a big up Day Wednesday took a little profit, it appeared on Thursday. Hog market also under pressure with live cattle just relatively mixed. Crude oil kind of hovering around the $74 a barrel mark, and stock market under pressure with a better than expected jobs number out on the day Thursday. We're going to dive in and talk about the markets coming up here in segment three and four today with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. He will join us here on the show today and provide analysis as to what he's seeing here with this this, uh, general tone in the commodity markets and the broader outside markets to start off 2023. Also, I'm going to take a look at the closing numbers from the day on Thursday here in just a minute. Coming up in segment two, we're going to have a conversation about New Year's resolutions and a little bit about farm safety and health. Jana Davidson with the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. She is going to join us for our January safety message coming up here in segment two today. So we look forward to catching up with her as well. Now, I mentioned, again, a relatively mixed day with spring wheat helping to pull the other uh, two wheat complexes to the upside on the day. Also, that helped pull corn back towards uh, unchanged on the session and soybeans under some pressure. That was kind of the storyline in the grain markets. And let's take a look at some of those final numbers from Thursday's trade here real briefly. We saw that March cord was down one on the day, 652 with three quarters. July cord was down two and a half, 646 at three quarters. Soybeans, March down 12 at three quarters, 1470 at three quarters. July was down 12 and a half, 1481. Soybean meal for January, that was up 620 a ton, 488.70. January bean oil down 17 points at 62.94. 
March Chicago wheat one and a quarter higher, seven forty six and three quarters. July was up one and a quarter, seven fifty nine and a quarter. March Kansas City wheat was down one eight thirty nine and three quarters. July down one and three quarters, eight thirty and three quarters. Spring wheat March up seven nine ten and a half. July spring wheat that was up five and a half at eight ninety five and a quarter on the day Thursday. Livestock trade again it was a, a bit of a rough day there. February live cattle did finish seven higher one fifty seven thirty five. April down. 151.27. June live cattle down 7, 157.27. Feeder cattle January down 142 at 183.80. March feeder cattle were down 167 and 186.55. And in hogs, February down 155, 82.52. April hogs down 137, 91.52. And May hogs down 95 at 97.95 on the day on Thursday. Cotton market on Thursday, that was higher, up 214 points in March, 82.58. May was up 210 points at 82.62. Now, I mentioned the stock market was under pressure on the day Thursday. We got a better than expected jobs number that came out on the day on Thursday. The ADP numbers uh, we saw in the National Employment Report showed private businesses created 235,000 jobs in December, blowing past forecasts of only 150,000 and nearly doubling the November number of 127,000. Gains were seen in the service and goods producing sectors, while declines were seen in trade, transportation and utilities, natural resources and mining and financial activities. ADP's chief economist Nella Richardson did note that the labor market is, quote, strong but fragmented with hiring varying sharply by industry, end quote. That just seems to be further evidenced by more recent rounds of layoffs in the tech sector despite the overall strength. In other strong labor news, initial jobless claims in the U.S. fell 19,000 week-on-week to 204,000, well below expectations of a slight increase to 225,000 and representing the lowest weekly level since late September. You look at that and just the general worries about recession and global economies, and that is something we're going to have to keep our eyes on as we move forward. But that was something that was definitely a headline in the markets on the day on Thursday. Well, as we take a look at news headlines here in the world of agriculture, it appears that the U.S. and Taiwan, they're going to hold an in-person negotiating round for the U.S.-Taiwan initiative on 21st century trade in Taipei. The negotiations are under the American Institute in Taiwan and the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office in the United States. Now, the next round of talks is scheduled for January 14th through the 17th. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office will lead the U.S. delegation through Assistant U.S. Trade Representative Terry McCartan and include representatives from several other U.S. government agencies. The negotiation process started in June of 2022, launching the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade. The initiative is intended to develop concrete ways to deepen the economic and trade relationship, advance mutual trade priorities based on shared values, and promote innovation and inclusive economic growth for our workers and businesses, including through new trade agreements. Agreements, the two sides last met in November, holding two days of discussion in New York. Well, Canada is a bright spot for U.S. ethanol exports, while China, with its tariffs, continues to lag as an ethanol market. Ethanol exports to Canada continue to soar despite its barriers to other U.S. farm-related exports like dairy. Here's Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper. Canada continues to grow in terms of its uh, imports of U.S. ethanol. It is far and away the, the leading a destination for ethanol exports leaving this country. And it's been the most consistent market for, for U.S. ethanol producers as well. It's been very steady, very predictable. And when you're talking about export markets, that's exactly what you're looking for. We've seen so much volatility in some of these other markets. 
that it's been great to have a reliable trade partner in Canada. Which has not been the case with China and its continuing large tariff on U.S. ethanol. China has maintained that 35% tariff on ethanol imports from the U.S. and, and that's made it cost prohibitive to sell into that marketplace. There's been a a few drips and drabs that have gone into China this past year, but nothing significant and certainly nothing close uh, to the volumes that we saw flowing to China several years ago. Meantime, Brazil again suspended through the end of this month its 20% ethanol tariff, but still only imported some 60 to 80 million gallons last year, a fraction of pre-tariff levels. And at the Consumer Electronics Show this week, Steve Koning of the Consumer Technology Association showcased new potential trends to the media before the start of the show. One potential trend, according to Koning, is automakers charging extra for AM, FM radios and cars. Koning says automakers may move to a features-as-a-service offering for AM, FM radios, allowing automakers to enable or disable features based on whether the car owner is paying for the services. Automakers claim AM radio signals face electromagnetic interference generated from electric cars. Radio Inc. reports, quote, Automotive companies are salivating at the opportunity to capitalize on car features as services that will be subscription-based, end quote. In December, Senator Ed Markey, a Massachusetts Democrat, urged automakers to make... Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we talk New Year's resolutions here, we are joined now by our good friend Jana Davidson with the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. Jana, Happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm doing great. Happy New Year to you, Jesse. Thanks for the time as we jump into our uh, first Progressive Agriculture uh, Safety Day update here for the new year. And again, as I mentioned, New Year's resolutions. And uh, I know your new column you have out this month uh, titled, You Don't Need a New Year for a Fresh Start. And I think that is a, a great way to put that because, yes, it is a new year, but we don't necessarily need that calendar flip to make us go, oh, okay, it's time for a fresh start, Jana. I completely agree. I think when you hear New Year's resolutions, some people might love it. I think most people hate them. You feel obligated that you have to take part in this tradition of coming up with these goals that, let's face it, many of us probably won't make it through January uh, without maybe (laughs) going off course or completely giving up. Um, Some might not even last a few hours. And You know, unfortunately, I think goals are a wonderful thing. I think all of us have have goals, and I think that's what resolutions can be. Um, And and they have good intentions, but I think that we just need to think about them a little bit differently so we can have some success and less failure um, in keeping them. Um, I I mentioned in my my column, and it's so true, you know, I'm, I'm a mom, and I have two girls that, you know, whether it's through their academics or through sports, you're always telling them, you know, first you don't succeed, try, try again. Or, you know, in sports, you know, I always say if they don't win, they're learning, you know, they're learning what they can do to be better. And as adults, we tend to forget that. We don't remind Mm -hmm. ourselves. So I think that, you know, that really ties into with what the column is all about. You know, we need to, we need to set ourselves up for success and keep reminding ourselves um, that we can do it to stay on track. Definitely. I know you have four different things in the column. Let's go through those if you don't mind and just talk about those a little bit. Start with number one for us, Jana. Okay. Number one, 
Have fun with your resolutions. Everybody likes to have fun. Um, so I think that when we view our resolutions, let's not view them as a major task, a major chore or extra work. Uh, let's, let's add some fun into it. Um, make sure that they are achievable and that they're meaningful to you. I think sometimes we pick a resolution based on what someone else is telling us, that someone else could be our doctor. Maybe the, our doctor's telling us we need to lower our cholesterol or um, eat better or quit smoking. And, you know, that those are important, but we need to, it needs to be important for us, uh, for us to really um, take that on and make it meaningful and, and see it through. So um, that's just one thing that, you know, I wanted, wanted to bring up. Make them fun, make them uh, um, obtainable. And also include your family and friends um, in, in, in these and have some challenges. So a couple examples of that. You know, we've all heard the biggest loser. So if you're trying to do something with weight loss, um, maybe you do have a challenge among your friends, among your coworkers, among your family. But let's take that a step further. One thing that I struggle with as an adult, I'm not sure if you're the same, Jesse, is meal planning. Mm -hmm. I have the best intentions to eat better, eat healthier, cook, cook healthier meals for my family. But sometimes my schedule doesn't allow and I get in that, that rut of the same old thing. You know, it's easy. It's quick. So a challenge with your family and friends is maybe finding unique recipes and trying them out and then sharing them, you know, amongst your family and friends. This worked really good. Mm -hmm. My family liked it. You have something new. And if you live close by to your friends, maybe you pick a, pick a night and you cook a big meal and, and kind of provide it to your family and friends. And then maybe a night or two during that week, somebody cooks for you and it saves you, you know, time and, and energy. And also you're eating better. So there's just unique ways that you can, to, can do this and, and do it small. And then making sure that we reward ourselves for meeting some goals. We don't need to wait till the end of the year to really celebrate um, our success. So if we make it, you know, six days with eating really well or, or achieving what we put out for it, you know, reward yourself. Maybe it's that mm -hmm. special coffee that you've given up. Uh, you can kind of have that as a, a little reward or your favorite snack on Sunday because you, you did so good those last six days with, you know, um, eating better. So think about it that way. Make it fun, make it meaningful and celebrate those successes. In addition to success, you know, set yourself up for success and not failure. Um, so a couple things to think about, too, is just know that you're probably going to have some bumps in the road. I mean, change is just difficult. Uh, it's it's not easy, I think, for, for anything. If you're having changes in work, if changes in your life, anything time you're making changes, it's going to be a little difficult. So you have to account for that. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's mm -hmm. probably going to be a time going back to the healthy eating where you pack that healthy lunch and you get to work and you realize you left it on the counter <laughs> and you don't have time to leave. And the closest thing is dinner and you do better that next day. So think about that. Think about um, also maybe maybe it's it's reading the reading a book. Maybe you want to read more books throughout the year. And this night there were some some things that just you didn't account for that just got in your schedule and you just didn't have time. Take some extra time tomorrow and read a few extra pages or chapters um, and make up for it. You can really do that without feeling like you failed or have to give up. All right, we're a safety and health organization. So the third one has to do with safety and health. Mm -hmm. And that as part of your new, new year's resolutions. So um, a few examples there, um, mental health is so important. I think too, with those resolutions that really 
can play with our mental well-being because again, if we don't feel like we succeeded, I know that we we feel guilty, we feel like we failed. So keep that in mind. Um, but there's just little things we can do to, to keep ourselves safer and healthier. You know, make sure we're staying hydrated. Uh, make sure that um, you know we're getting adequate sleep each night. I know that's one thing my husband and I are working on right now. You know, getting after this holiday and having some time off, getting back in that routine of getting a good night's sleep. Uh, turning off those devices, the TV at night, and really getting some adequate rest. And then just safety when you're, you know, maybe maybe you're one that sometimes gets in the car and you forget to, to um, buckle in every time. Make that a priority. Um, and for everybody in, in your vehicle, all of your passengers. Um, I also say it's the perfect time to get rid of that faulty ladder. If you have a ladder on your farm that you keep saying, I'm going to replace this. It needs to be replaced. Someone's going to get hurt. It's now the time to do it. Make that your resolution to, to keep your farm safer, keep the people in your life safer. Um, and the same thing with fire extinguishers and in your tractors and equipment, if, um, first aid kits in the barn. If mm -hmm. this is something you've been thinking about or, or wanting to do, do it because it's going to be so much better if, if, if it's there when you need it rather than it's not. And you were like, wow, I really wish. I would have had this. So this is that perfect time to make those little safety and health initiatives into your life, into your family, into your farm or your home. Last thing, remember, it's not the end of the world if the, this resolution doesn't happen or it changes course throughout the year. That, that can happen for many of us. I think, again, sometimes we do rush in December 31st, like, oh, we need to have a New Year's resolution. Maybe use the month of January to reflect on the last year, maybe what you accomplished and what you hope to accomplish, not only throughout this year, but maybe the future years. Have those long-term goals as well as that, that year goal. Um, so use that time to reflect. Again, I can't stress enough, self-care, mental health. Take time for yourself. Um, that's important. It's not selfish. It's, it, it's just vital. It's going to make you happier, healthier. Um, a better friend, a better parent, a better everything. Um, so maybe these resolutions can be doing something that enriches your life and brings you joy. So maybe you want to find a new hobby. Maybe there's something you've wanted to do and you keep saying, I'm going to put it off till I have time, more time. Do it now. And also um, maybe volunteer more. Um, I, I, I love to volunteer and it just, it, it, it just makes me happier. I think it's great for your mental health. I think our communities um, need more volunteers. So just give a little of yourself and you're going to get a lot, a lot back in return. Fantastic. Well, Jana, I know as well, of course, the Progressive Agriculture Foundation and Safety Days, the big mission uh, too, on, on top of everything you guys do is educating children uh, about dangers around the farm, the home, et cetera. Uh, give us a plug real quick for Safety Days as I'm sure 2023 is going to be a big year for those as well again. It is, it is. So, so far we have around 360 applications for uh, safety days to be held in 2023. The good news is that we can always add more. So um, if you're wanting to bring safety and health to your local school, your community, reach out to us. You can visit our website. It's www.progressiveag.org. There you can find um, a way to um, sign up to host a safety day um volunteer so we just mentioned the importance of volunteering we have a link where you can actually volunteer at the safety day that might be near you um and if there's not one in your local community now we can try to help change that so please reach out to us and let's keep our children safer and healthier in 2023 
ProgressiveAg.org is how you can find out more information. With that, Jana Davidson, Progressive Agriculture Foundation. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, Jesse. Up next, Markets with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. Back with more Market Talk right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we continue to work this through this first week of trade in 2023, we saw the markets uh, a little bit better showing in the past couple of sessions, but still uh, some downward pressure at some of these commodities and plenty of things to talk about here with our good friend Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, and he is our guest analyst here on the show today, and we appreciate him taking the time to join us. And Brian, I will wish you a Happy New Year, sir. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for being on. Jess, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Nice that we're into a new year and nice that we can keep working together. So it's a, it's a pleasure. Definitely. Well, I, I echo the sentiment there likewise. And, uh, you know, looking at this market on Thursday and really just the tone all week long, like I alluded to, a little bit better showing, but still not great. Uh, more pressure at soybeans. Spring wheat looked like it helped pull the wheat market and maybe corn too back towards unchanged. But uh, overall, Brian, this this tone, this risk off kind of tone to this market, a lot of funds getting out, it appears, and liquidating long positions. It's just been a rough start to the year for the uh, for the grain and livestock commodities. You know, it has. And we, we saw, let's start with last week. We saw good price activity last week in particular. We saw... You know, both corn and beans really claw higher, and even wheat had some good days. And and then on Friday, the last trading of the year, uh, we saw that corn actually posted what's called a bearish key reversal. It just it was down a penny on the day. It still picked up twelve cents on the week, but then we lost eight or eight and a half on Monday and bunch yesterday, fifteen I think it was. And they were losing a penny, so three down days in a row. Um, I. I'm going to summarize it. I, I'm not bearish on a lot of these markets, but I'm just concerned. I'm concerned because it seems like we talk about that buzz kind of phrase of risk off. Well, what does that mean? What well, just means people don't want to take the risk. And it's just not in corn or beans. It's in wheat. It's in livestock. It's in the equity markets. It's in crude oil. It just seems like the money isn't real confident. And I think I think we can kind of point to to maybe two things. One is uh, the southern hemisphere. Uh, Let's start with what the bigger one. China worries about their economy and whether they're going to come in and be robust buyers. It's looking more likely they're they're likely to be just-in-time buyers. Stay with that approach, and that probably means that we're not going to see the corn export sales just all of a sudden magically pick up. And then, and then there's an unless, and that's number two, South America. Now, private firms yesterday were downgrading some crops a little bit in Brazil. Um Southern states a little bit dry. Argentina certainly that's share of woes. Talk about forty-year-old, forty-year um, impactful droughts. Uh, but still, the the core of Brazil 
Uh, hard to find anything other than expectations for average or above average crops with acreage increase. So, so we really don't have anything there. And then probably the, the third thing here is just when you look at things historically, they're at a high price. So when you push beans over fifteen dollars to end the year, you better have some some fresh new news to maybe keep buyers active. And other than filling a gap, it looks like to me, it looks like the funds added a lot of corn last week, a lot of beans. They probably ran their stops up pretty tight. And when when some of these markets tipped over, these stops got triggered and it's just like a dominoes. Everything just keeps falling with it. And I think that's Jesse, I think that's been a big part of this was uh, I'll give you a real quick example. I know I'm a little wordy mm -hmm. here, but corn on Friday's commitment to trade report had added 45,000 contracts up through Tuesday. And corn was up Wednesday, Thursday, and it looked like during those days you'd see corn up three cents, drop two, then go forward and drop the three. Told me it had layers of buy orders underneath the market. Well, you get what's called what I call unintended sales. So when the market tips over, these stops hit, those are sellers. Nobody really intended to sell unless it tipped over. Well, tipped over, so they're selling. You may have those who are selling to exit laws. You may have those who are selling to, to initiate new positions. And then you get another type of selling. Those who you know took the chance and sold, let's say, into the weekend, they come in and say, hey, we're making money. The trend is turning down. The indicators are pointing lower. Let's sell more because they've kind of got, quote, I'm going to say, quote, house money to work with. So you get some selling that develops that really wasn't anticipated unless things went lower and they went lower. So it, it accelerates. Yeah, no, and I appreciate the explanation there. I think a lot of folks uh, will appreciate that explanation into what it appears that we're seeing in this market, Brian. And, you know, you mentioned the lack of fundamental news and, you know, feeding the bull, so to speak. And it just doesn't feel like outside of the, you know, the things you mentioned that are weighing in the market, there isn't much else out there as we prepare for the January World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report next week. Right. So you've got that report out next week, and I don't think anybody's expecting some major bullish surprises. I mean, the obvious question is, where do they come from? The January report in recent years maybe had a little bit more bite as it seemed like there was a disconnect between the November yield estimate and then the final estimate in the uh, January where, you know, people are kind of scratch their heads and say, well, it's not out here or the test weight is. So, so it looked to me, it looks to me like this year, the market may have already sort of massaged that yield expectation. Now it can change, but if you think about it, we had decreases in yield in September and October. And then in November, we had a little increase. So we're mm -hmm. already seeing kind of the massage. How much more do we change this in January? I, I don't know. It's anybody's guess until the USD puts the number out there, but I don't think we're going to find a surprise feed usage number. I don't, that's bullish. I don't think you're going to find uh, a surprise export number because we monitor those weekly. So I'm really strapped to see where news comes from to really give my, you know, give the market a boost higher. So. Mm -hmm. Do you think as well with the calendar flipping to a new year, I've heard some whispers of some increases in farmer selling. I wonder if that's maybe adding into some of this pressure that's maybe in the market from from funds uh, with you know taking off some of their unintended you know sell signals, et cetera. Here, oh, I I think so, and I I, uh, I talked to um, you know I relayed this to other farmers, or if I had other interviews that as I was talking to farmers. In the last week, a um, little better weather to move grain. But, you know, I was hearing things, hey, there, there's a long line. People are moving. So I think that the bounce back and time, 
because farmers had time in their hands, certainly the core bins, there was some stuff moved and, and maybe sold. Uh, we, we looked at the March contract as an example in corn. So, so bottomed at 635 here recently, just a sliver over that, and then rallied up to 685. That's a 50 cent rally. So, you know, I, I'd have to be of the mindset that if somebody said, hey, you know, uh, uh, here and we lost, uh, you know, we toyed with seven, $7 and we got down to 635. So that is what a 65 cent drop. Hey, if you could get 50% of that back, uh, 50 cents of that back, would you sell? And I think a lot of people said, yeah, I think I better do that. I don't want to get greedy. So I do think that was part of it, the increase in both corn and soybean selling last week. Well, and I wonder too, you know, if I'm a producer who, you know, didn't really pay attention to the market last week and didn't take advantage of some of that rally. And now we're, we're losing some of that rally here this week. And they're going, oh man, you know, I wish I would have made some moves. I think we got to put into perspective that we still have very good prices out there, Brian. So it, you know, it makes sense maybe to look at making some moves or getting some floors locked in, especially ahead of this January report, which is, is typically a, a big report. And who knows, the USDA could throw a surprise out there that we're not anticipating. The old saying is you got to feed the bull. We kind of mentioned that mm -hmm. it doesn't take anything. This gravity can pull a market down. So I worry about that. And to, to your point on the on what news we do get in in general, it's been this steady sort of bearish news. I'm talking about export sales. We don't we don't also go wow, man. We had I think we had one week, maybe six weeks ago, or Mexico or eight weeks ago, bought a whole lot of corn. Otherwise, it's been pretty tough. So to your point, these are high prices historically. Do we sell a lot of corn? I don't know. I don't know if I ever really bite into this idea that we just sell corn at the first for tax reasons. I mean, you can sell corn for the first and take your check after the first. So I read an article or blip today that farmers may have be receiving three times as many, either as many checks or amount of checks now that the year's flipped over. And it was this corn that was delivered. So I, I'm not so sure they, you know, you have to deliver more corn, but there's still an army of farmers out there that still will you know, start thinking it's winter. I've got to start moving corn. I got to make, you know, so there is that natural progression just to keep busy, keep your trucks moving. You've given the market an opportunity to rally. It really hasn't done much if you've been holding it since harvest. So I'm sure there's a whole contingent of people that are saying, I just need to start moving it anyway. Any quick thoughts in grains, uh, new crop side, if producers are looking at locking in various inputs here at the beginning of the year or anything like that, obviously they hopefully would lock in some uh, some profit on the on the you know grain side as well. Any any thoughts, any changes to your new crop strategies right now, Brian? Well, I, I just say keep your, your marketing tools, you know, available in front of you and keep sharp. I'm always a big fan of that first anywhere you're comfortable. I'm going to say number, but 15 to 35% that if you have a value, whether it's, you know, two months before harvest or 10 months before harvest, uh, and you think you can make money at it, well then sell and hope to be wrong and sell more higher if that happens. But if that's all the market musters, and I'm worried about that this year, then, then, you know, it's a long slippery slope. So look at all your tools, look at things like in corn, buying a put, and selling a call or maybe a couple of calls or buy a put, sell a put. Uh, I've got a strategy that's kind of layered, but it's that's buying a put, selling a put, selling two calls. There's a lot there. So don't anybody just go out and run out there and do that. You really, you really understand the risk and the cost or the benefit uh, or the perceived benefit and what the goal is with that. But those are things farmers should be thinking about at this time of year. I want to just keep everybody grounded in reality back in June 
the market lost about a buck 85 in less than a month. So regardless, it was dry and hot in areas and the drought monitor map, the market still blew out. So if, if the money just decides that we don't think it's a good investment to own corn or we think it's a good investment to be a seller of corn, it's cruel, but the market doesn't care about your break even. It does in the long run, but not in the short run. So in the short run, though, you feel the pain of the what ifs and holy cow, this is real. Um, so that's where that sits. That's Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. We'll continue the conversation after the break here on Market Talk. Let's get it. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing is our guest analyst here today. Brian, let's move over to livestock uh, you know, this uh, cattle and hog market, it was a down day in feeder cattle and hogs, especially Thursday. Live cattle were mixed to lower. We had a really strong day Wednesday in feeder cattle. Uh, I'm just wondering, what's your thoughts, this tone of this cattle market here as we start the new year? What are you thinking there right now, Brian? I think the cattle market still is bullish. Um, I hesitate when I say that because when I think about, when I think about, what this looks like on the economic front. High prices, inflation, is the consumer gonna chew up beef? And it seems like, uh, it seems like consumers may be backing away from, I'm gonna say bigger ticket items. And, you know, I, I just think about some of these messes we've seen, like with Southwest and these are, and people traveling in the middle of winter and you don't really have a vision of you know, booking a cruise anytime soon. You look at inflation, but I think people are still going to eat well. Um, I, I just get that gathering. So I, I want to think that demand is still good. It's a supply-driven market. We know we've got tight supplies. The question is whether we can get kind of get that extra boost to demand, in particular from, let's say, um, Southeast Asia, that part, you know, uh, all of that sort of uh, region of the world. Um, and so far, it looks like we can, despite a high dollar. Uh, the need to feed is important. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to stay with a friendly tone in the cattle. It'll be volatile, no doubt. Um, that's why we use puts. Uh, put floorings, uh, uh, put floors in the market with the right mechanisms. Uh, leave the top side open. About that hog market, any thoughts there? I, I a few differing things, I would assume, from cattle right now. Yeah, a lot of volatility there. When it looks strong, it all of a sudden it looks weak. When it looks weak, it comes roaring back. A lot of volatility. I think the front months are trying to figure out where this cash market is expected to be. And you've got the index you know, still trading just a little under $80. And you've got February you know, today at, at uh, 82.52. But that's come down a long way. And then you go to April, you're at 90, $92. So, um tough to get overly optimistic without the cash index moving but the volatility i'm talking about is here on the 28th we had uh feb hogs um 91 about 91 and a half and peeled off you know nine dollars just lickety split in a week um so that's that just proves the volatility when the cash doesn't necessarily lead the rally that the board keeps getting ahead of cash and it has to take a breather and come back this is the second time now that's happened here in the last couple of months uh yet Summer months, well over 105, uh, trying to find their way. New contract highs recently uh, posted. I uh, want to stay with a long-term friendly view on that. But again, to a point, we have to see what it looks like. 
uh, Super Bowls out there might argue that you're getting, uh, you know, getting the right mix of trade activity to form what's called the right shoulder of an inverted head and shoulders formation. Really gives you a bullish perspective over 115 on, on summer month hogs, but I think that's getting over our skis at this point. I, I just wanted to point it out, though, that it, there is a formation there that somebody may buy off of. And Brian, we haven't had an update in the dairy market here in a little over a week as I take a look there and uh, see a little bit of green on the screen from Thursday. But what's your thoughts with what's going on in dairy right now? Yeah, we've talked about this before and and the global dairy trade here down, uh, I think it was 2.4 percent here. This this last uh, last report, Um, the two last milk production reports increases on the December report, which revised November numbers, uh, there was a revision upward of the October numbers. Um, and then there's this, again, kind of this malaise and demand that it just, you know, got to a certain point. Um, so I'm kind of strange in that I, I think that cattle are supported, but I can't really find myself finding any argument for milk. And I think it just boils down to that. It looks like if you summarize, you've got demand roughly down 20% cheese, butter, uh, well, especially uh, in cheese and uh, and butter, and then uh, I'm escaping me where the locks are down 20%, and, the, uh, and then the barrels are down 12, or vice versa. Doing mm-hmm. that from memory, but but the point of it is, you've got decreasing product values at the same time you've got increasing one cows in the cow herd and two milk production per cow up 17 pounds per month versus a year ago on the December report. So you've got increased production. So you've got increased production at a time window of economic instability, instability, higher interest rates. And so the dairy industry did what it does well. It figured out how to become more efficient, more milk per cow, and it figured out how to produce more. And consequently, you got a downtrend in prices. And I, I don't know if we've reached our low yet. I, I, I'm a bit concerned that producers bypass 20 and $21 milk because they want it 22 to 23 because the last time I sold 20 and $21 milk and hurt them. Now, all of a sudden you look at things with a 18 and a 19 in front of it. Plenty of things to consider. Brian, if folks want to reach out to you and have a conversation as they're getting into the new year here at Total Farm Marketing and they want to talk about their marketing plan with you, what's the best way to reach you, Brian? Just give us a phone call, 800-334-9779. Uh, that's Number one, number two, um, look at our website, totalfarmmarketing.com, or shoot me an email. That's uh, Brian with a Y. And that, if you call in to ask for the Brian with a Y, we got two. But Brian uh, at totalfarmmarketing.com. And love to field any questions or listen to you and see if I can't bring some value to a conversation. Well, we appreciate the value you bring to uh, our conversations here on the show with that. Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing. Have a great week, sir, and we'll talk to you again next week. Jesse, thank you again. My pleasure uh, an honor to be here. Wishing everybody a happy and safe new year. Well, once again, that is Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joining us here today as we get ready to wrap up the program. Thanks to him for his time. Thanks to Jana Davidson of the Progressive Agriculture Foundation for joining us for our January safety update, uh, farm safety and health update here as well on today's show. Coming up here, uh, we're going to continue to watch these markets on tomorrow's program. We'll see how this trade wraps up the week in Friday's action, and we'll keep you uh, informed on what's going on in the market trade and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.